The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Humans have been programmed or manipulated like a camera. A camera has an aperture. The wider the aperture is open, the more light enters through the lens. Our goal on this Veritas platform has always been to open our proverbial mental aperture so we can let new knowledge in. But first, in order to let new knowledge in, we must leave our preconceived notions out. We must fight our cognitive dissonance from discounting new information. If you have an insatiable thirst for knowledge, especially that which has been hidden from us, then you're in the right place. What if every rock in the ground contained blood? Tonight, we will show you a new way of thinking about the soil and the ancient creatures it may or may not contain. You will learn about the true nature of rocks, even the ones in space. Recent DNA-verified mud fossils are body parts and CAT scans that exquisitely show anatomical details. Mud fossils are perfectly preserved mineralized soft tissues due to continuous wet anaerobic mud-packed conditions. You will learn how to identify these mud fossils, how they came to be, and their ramifications which are far-reaching. You will also see that Comet 67P is completely biological and the chemistry and anatomy and gaseous emissions are unimpeachable. Open mind required as nothing taught is correct now because all knowledge is based on a false premise. Therefore, the universe is alive and life is everywhere and the earth is made of giants, exactly as ancient text said. As tonight's special guest says, quote, Mud Fossil University is dedicated to truth wherever it leads. Don't just listen. Question what is being said without fear of your grade, unquote. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Roger Spur studied material sciences using experiments, chemistry, tests, and specimens. A discovery in 2012 led Roger to start Mott Fossil University. At Mott Fossil University, there is nothing off the table. Atomic structure, light, molecules, and every energy interaction, including the most important, which is bacteria. Yes, bacteria. Literally, all life starts with bacteria, creating enzymes that are proteins which are organic enzymatic catalysts that break down molecules to create the products that are reformed for life. Also, ancient texts are well studied and ancient creatures and relics are of particular significance. Rituals and deities 
are also fair game. Roger discovered that experts were rarely equipped to deal with anything they were not quote-unquote taught, which means they rarely exercised independent or critical thinking if they wished to remain employed. But Mott Fossil University is 100% about truth and facts wherever they may lead. You can find Mott Fossil University on Facebook and especially on its YouTube channel. And directly from somewhere in New England, I would like to welcome Roger Spur. Hello, Roger, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hello, good. Now, how are you, my friend? Can you hear me okay? Well, Roger, you have been referred to me by many of our listeners. I've watched many of your videos, and your work is fascinating. But as I said during the intro, we have to open our mental aperture, we have to open our minds. Let's begin with your story. And how did you begin with this research into mud fossils? Well, I've always had a little bit of a pushback against being told just to accept something. So I've always questioned, first of all, the atomic theory. I mean, I, I, I did a lot of, um, a lot of um, scientific sort of stuff as a kid, just as a kid. And then when I was in the Army, I was, um, I did Nike Hercules missiles, and, you know, atomic missiles and so forth. And, and, um, and I, I just got into understanding that nothing, nothing that they were telling me in college was right in schools. And um, the atom is not constructed of one big gigantic proton in the center and little electrons on the outside. It just never would work. And I did a paper about that. 50 years ago, seriously, 50 years ago. And I said, it's, it's impossible, absolutely impossible. Well, anyway, um, the light theory came just a few years ago, but the I've always had a streak. Let me just go and put it that way. I've always had a streak against being told, just accept it, just accept it, don't fight it, you know, and that's what I was always told. Now, when I... I discovered the mud fossils in, right in my yard. Now, I have, you know, fairly good-sized property. I have like 10 acres. And in New England here, in Connecticut, New England, when they made the, the um, fields, they would put piles of stone. they make stone walls everywhere. I mean, I'm all over my property. And, and, um, and I had a big pile of stuff out there. And one day I'm just looking at it and I realized these are all body parts from creatures. And um, so I tried to um, engage with, with anyone, I mean literally anyone, <laughs> and not a single person breathing oxygen would discuss it with me. You know, I was crazy or crazy or a nutcase, da 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 Well, ends up I go to, I go to you, yeah. Well, I, I tried getting in touch with them, and I said, well, what do I have to do to prove this? And they told me I'd have to have this done and that done. I did everything, and they still wouldn't talk to me. And I had CAT scans. I had DNA tests done. Now. Something I want to make 100% clear before we talk about this DNA. The guy that did the DNA test, I'm sure, is being assaulted because I got something from him that said, if you tell anybody, I said, that there's giants, I'm going to sue you or something along that line. And he never said there was giants. He said what I sent him was human genetic DNA, mitochondrial human 
DNA, it had those signatures. That's all that he said. And anybody did a fabulous job. It was PCR uh, tests on three different specimens. All of them came back, and I knew where they were. Because I had an anatomist look at him, too. He said the same thing. Yeah, those are absolutely a lung, a fingertip, and not. Well, there's two fingertips and a lung. And one of the fingertips was absolutely abnormal. I mean, three feet long fingertip. I'm serious. And that's on my property. It's right here on my property. And the fingerprint and the fingernail are almost as good as the ones on your hand. I'm serious. And uh, I took the DNA from up inside of where an arterial blood supply would be. Not from the surface, no little scraping here and there. And I did it very, very well, sterile. I know what I'm doing. And I double-bagged it, and then I sent them off. And it took, oh, I don't know, two, three months to get the results. You know, because they did it, they had a special paper. Now, as far as I know, this was the first ever human DNA test on ancient fossils. I mean, on, on, on mud fossils anyway, for sure. Because nobody knew mud fossils existed. <laughs> At this point, no one would accept the fact that these were literally body parts. And they are. I mean, now it's accepted pretty well. But do you feel it's accepted now? Well, I don't know that it's accepted by the mainstream. It's just like giants are not accepted. But uh, a lot of information is out there that says that Smithsonian destroyed all the evidence regarding giants. I don't know if that's true or not, but I would not doubt it based on the information that I received. Now, why do you call it mud fossil and not just fossil if there's genetic, genetic material being involved? Well, here's the deal. The, all of the stuff I have, virtually all of it, came from what they would have considered the Great Flood. Now, and I, the reason I know this is because they are body parts. I have lungs and kidneys and hearts and livers and fingers and toes and heads and every single body part you can think of. I mean, and they're all over. And they were from giants all the way down to little tiny people. I have new species called no-toes that have the toes built right inside. And I mean, there's no question that they're there. They're, they're, and we have them eroded to a point where you can see every little bit of what I'm saying. So it's not like I'm, I'm talking about something I can't present the exact evidence to support. So all this stuff is literally indisputable if it was looked at. Now, that's the key. They can just not look at something. And in that case, I am going to consider them to accept it. If they won't look at it, to examine it, after I have DNA, I have CAT scans, I have specimens, I have anatomies, I have chemistry, because it's all, all the chemistry is fully understood. The ferrous oxides, Fe, Fe2O2, Fe2O3, and then all of the different trace metals and minerals in the blood, I have all of the, I have, it's, 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 it's just, it's so far proved. That's why they don't even bother to talk to me. So anyway, uh, um, I have all the evidence. They have to come to me. They are now become, becoming pretty fraudulent. In my opinion, I would sue them to be perfectly I wouldn't pay them for any education that they're presenting now in any of these realms. It's, it's absolutely terrible. For them not to engage is not right. Absolutely not right. 
Well, when I think of academia, I think all these professors, no offense to any of them, because they're, they're trying to do what they thought it was, was right. They go through many years of, of, I hate to say it, but programming, because all they're doing is reading from a script, and they're just repeating it again. Critical thinking is not enabled, is not endorsed or, or recommended. If you exercise some critical thinking and become independently uh, your own person, you basically lose your tenure and your funding, and then you become someone like you. You step outside, and then you try to bring the truth out. But with this gargantuan system of educational uh, prowess that the United States and Europe and the rest of the world has, in order to keep information from the public, what would the consequences be if this information you're sharing with us is true? And the world gets to know that giants inhabited this planet before. What would the consequences be to the current narrative, Roger? Well, um, first of all, one thing I want to mention to you, breaking up a little bit. Am I breaking up at all on your side? Not at all. All right. Well, you're breaking up a little bit, but I can still understand you fine. Now, let me just um, address what would change. 100% of everything. 100% of every single thing would change. All the way right down to literally everyone's beliefs. Because what I am presenting flies in the face of every belief system there is. I, and there's things that you have no idea about. That I, you know, I, I'm sure you don't. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. You, I know you must know about the... Um, uh, Nagamati text and the Dead Sea Scroll. Sure. Uh, and you know when they were discovered, it was right after um, the Jews were slaughtered and renewed Japan. Yes. Immediately after World War II, immediately after the state of Israel was uh, declared a country. Uh, yes. Right, right. It's a, it was all falling into so, sort of a biblical pattern of now is the time to release this information and tell them, we're going to wipe you people off the face of the planet again if you don't stop nuking each other and killing each other. And we didn't. We just got worse. We got worse until a point where it was so close to, you know, you know I was in I was in nuclear missiles myself, you know. It, it was it was crazy. actual insanity. Insanity. Heaven, no, no more insane could you be. And and they realized how insane we were. And we're doing exactly identical to what happened the last time when they wiped us off the face of the planet. And it, it appears that that actually did happen. And, um, and the Great Flood was the outcome of that. Let's stay there for a moment. Because I've asked many researchers if the Great Flood was a natural occurrence. Perhaps we've had... Other cataclysms in our history, five, some people say this is the sixth one. Uh, we're the sixth reappearance of, of humanity based on, you know, we had that Noah, we had the, and others, Adam and Eve. What do you think caused the mud flood? You're saying that it was a, a nuclear event? No, no. Well here's, well, here's the problem. I can't tell you specifically. Well, 
here's the deal. This I, I mentioned the cop. Uh, did I mention the copper scrolls? No, not the copper scrolls. Okay, the copper scrolls are the ones. Now, you have the Bible, and then you have all of the um, Dead Sea Scrolls and the Nag Hammadi texts, which add a lot of flavor to the Bible and change the rule of this, change the rule of that. But they're not totally anything like the Copper Scrolls. Now, I, and I don't even know if this is true, but there are Copper Scrolls that were found as a result of the Dead Sea Scrolls being found. They offered a million dollars for anybody to find any more scrolls. And they went, everybody went out and looked and, and this, I guess the archaeologists did discover these and they were, they were copper and they were pretty kind of fragile, you know, copper corrodes and so forth, but they, they could still make it out. And apparently it talks about all of these things that were in the Bible, but were related to spaceships and, and, and aliens and not like these mysterious well, here's an example. Um, when, and this was only 3,500 years ago, um, when they led the Israeli, Israelites out of Egypt through the Sinai, it says, I believe it's in the Bible, or I, I guess it's the Bible that says, um, God led them out with a, a pillar of, of, um, smoke during the day and a pillar or a fire during the night, something like that. Now, in the Copper Scrolls, it says that they were led through the Sinai by a spacecraft that was capable of emitting fire and um, light. <laughs> and when they talk about all of these different people, um, Ezekiel and all of them, they went into the belly of a beast, of, of, well, of a craft up a silver ladder. And they talk, over and over it talks about it. Even Jesus. That's what it says. That's what this guy says. And um, it will, if anybody doesn't believe that there's aliens now, I don't know where they're living. You know, if you, you got to do a little bit of research. That's the problem. People have a, a, an opinion, and then the case is closed. Well, you know, people, use, for, uh, people use conventional wisdom. I mean, for example, uh, during the times of Christopher Columbus, when he came along with the three ships, the natives in uh, Hispaniola or Puerto Rico, they did not see the ships because they'd never, they'd never seen one before. And it took one of the, the shamans or the elders to be able to see it. So in the old days, that's why they call it the wheels of Ezekiel or the flying chariots when they saw... You know, like Vimanas, what would they say? And I remember Zachariah Sitchin when I asked him in the old days if they had rockets, what would they had called it? You know, a hundred years ago, and he would have he said they would have called it a big pencil. So, in that time, if they saw technology that was well beyond what they had, how would they had describe it? Well, they they did pretty well in a lot of them. The wheel within the wheel, and uh, all of these different ancient texts. If you look through them very carefully, you can hear, you can see all of the the you know it did this, 
this and then it moved this way or that way or he was taken through a tunnel of light, this or that. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it goes on and on. But you really have to dig into this stuff. And I, I you know about the dragon, right? The dragon. Refresh my memory. Uh-oh, you don't about the dragon, you wouldn't need any refreshing. It's North Africa. All across the top of North Africa, there's a gigantic dragon. Are you talking about the landmass in Northern Africa? Correct. Okay, on the coast. The Atlas Mountain. Yes. I've heard about that, but I honestly, again, this is beyond my aperture, and this is why you're here today. So you can explain to me what it means when they say it's a dragon. Well, it is a dragon. You can see it, and you can see the scales. You can see the throat. You can see I went through the entire digestive system all the way down through, and it has a cloaca, which means it's an avian creature and not like a mammal or anything. It is red-blooded. It is capable of spitting out toxins, which it did to kill a gigantic fish it is just below it. And I've shown this. And if you can't see it after you see the video, I, I don't know what to say, brother. Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously you haven't seen the video. Now, um, it's just it's, it's undeniable. And then it, it says in the ancient text, I believe it's the Bible, um, it talks about the, the Leviathan and um, the dragon or whatever it is. And he will kill the dragon that lives in the sea with his great and mighty sword and will slice his throat with his great and mighty sword. And it's exactly what it's got. It's got his throat is cut and it bled out all over the desert. And it's it's it's, it's too spectacular for uh, the average mind to even look at it and think about it in that respect until you're guided to see it. And then you can't miss it. After that it's, it's, the, the story's done. And I understand that for people like you, you require some visual presentation in order for people to understand, really understand what you're saying. So I appreciate the, the verbal descriptions that you're providing. But if anybody wants to learn more, they can always go to, to your Facebook, Mud Fossil University, or your YouTube channel. They can see a lot of your presentations there. But when it comes to giants, you and so many others have provided enough evidence for me to know that we had giants in the past. Question is, I've heard about 12, 13, 17 feet. How big are the giants that you're studying? Oh, they're just hundreds of miles. Hundreds of miles. You're talking about the size of a city? Oh, yeah, easily. Easily. Well, you, you know where Devil's Tower is? Yes. I, that was my next question. Devil's Tower. That's... A, that, that's yeah, that's the foot of a giant. I just absolutely, I just did a video. I put it up all oh, 15 minutes ago. Oh? On, on Mud Fossil uh, University on YouTube. And it, it shows the foot and it shows the tendinous fibers. All those little fibers going up the side there. Those are tendon fibers. And if you look at it very carefully, all of those fibers have to be separated from each other for a foot to work and be able to move smoothly. So there's what they call fashion in between every one of those fibers. That's why they're separated. That, that's nothing to do with volcanism. But it's, it's insanity. 
think that was volumes. Now, if you look up at the top of Devil's Top, the very, very top, you're going to see it's all wrinkled up. At the bottom, it's nice, flat, nice, perfect hex fibers going on right up. And then all of a sudden at the top, just at the very top, it gets all wrinkly up. That is because that's exactly, exactly what happens in a tendon when you snap your tendon. Just look it up. Look up ripped tendon and you uh, ripped Achilles heel, which is what it is. And you'll see it's identical. There's no difference whatsoever. And tendons have very, very, very little blood, almost no blood at all. Like in your ankle, you almost no blood going in. Um, that's why you don't see a whole lot. But if you look around Table's Tower carefully at the very top, you'll see a few little red spots. And that's where the, red is arterial blood. Black and yellow is where our stuff is yellow. And it eventually turns black. Black is the, what they call magnetite and Red is hematite. Both of them iron, and all both of them from blood. Now, that foot, um, and what happens is the other foot, I could see where the other foot was, but most people are never going to see that. And here's why. Almost all the time when you see a giant foot like that, and, and they're all, they're everywhere. I mean, literally everywhere. And they make a perfectly flat plateau at the top because that's what's called the abrupt transition. And as you can see, the tendon snapping, and that's what happened. They got stuck in the mud as the flood came. Now, the flood is salt waters of, of, of a pH that is going to be very similar to what your body is. So it's, you're dead eventually because they're going to drown or starve to death. Now, my estimation is when you see one foot up at the top, pretty high up on the top almost, the other one will be deep in the ground because it's going to be like just totally saturated ground. You have 100% mud. So one of them is going to try to push the other one up and eventually he's going to die pushing and, and, and because of that abrupt transition, it's going to be down under the ground a little bit and you may not see it at all. Sometimes you'll see it as like a, a patch of greenery above that sort of follows that that pattern. Anyway, it's a, to me, there's no question whatsoever. And these things could be tested now. This is, like they, before, they said, oh, you can't test that, you can't test that. Well, now everybody's testing. Why, why, can't, why can't it be tested? We, we can literally test anything we want. Right now we can, yeah. When I did it, they said, you can't do that. I said, of course you can do it. I said, I got blood, I had literally, honestly, I'm not kidding you, literal blood running out of the, um, out of the, um, lungs on my column. Running out right out of the lungs. And I showed these pictures, I showed all this stuff. I had another guy send me a picture of a, of a lung that he, he picked up, and, and you looked at it from the outside, and it just looked like a, a ball of mud. And, but you could see a little shiny spot on it. And uh, it was Gary Evans over in um, England, and he was on the shore in, in a mud flat. And see, the mud is a beauty thing, because mud is nothing more than flesh. That's what mud is. It's eroded flesh. So what you have is when it surrounds a body part, it is still in the 
you know, it's it's preserved basically because of the salty conditions it was in, and then it becomes stuck in the mud. It will eventually do what's called nucleophilic substitution. And what that means is all of the structural components within your body parts, the structural parts, the collagens, the parents, the fibers. Let's go with that. The fibrous stuff that's in your body that makes you you stays, you know, I'm sure I forget where I was going with this, but the the collagens and the carriages and all that stuff, oh, I, I, I never know what I was going. They, they stay fairly the way they were when they were in your body, but the stuff that moves out of your body is stuff that moves inside of your body, which is the transition metals, the blood, the minerals, the vitamins, all of that stuff will flow out of your body and leave your veins and arteries and all of that stuff open. Even the, the um, intestines and the bowel and all that stuff will literally evacuate in the conditions if it was extremely aqueous, a lot of water, which is this flood thing. And in certain conditions, they will become covered in mud quickly enough that they won't fall into pieces. They'll sort of stay as a semi, um, you know, complete unit of of a body. But they're still going to be falling apart. Salt is extremely, extremely invasive. Salt is way over to the left of the periodic chart, and it has a ton of reactivity, and that's why molecules break down and it's it causes all kinds of separation of the fascias. That's why your fascia separates inside your body and the lungs fall away from the kidneys and they fall away all along the membranes. For those who may need a little bit for refreshing for bio, from high school biology, the fascia is the the material or the, the, the substance that if you want to call it uh, the, the what, it, what I'm trying to, to say here is what divides the muscle or attaches the muscle to the bone. Am I right? Um, you broke. I couldn't hear a word you say, but I, let me just explain to you what it is. Um, it fascia is just like a rubber bag. Every single organ in your body and every single membrane is. Is is a layer of fascia. It's it's, it's, it's the uh, it's the casing. Is the con connective tissue? Well, connective tissue is. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Fascia does does uh, also go around connective tissue. Yeah, it surrounds and holds every organ, blood vessel, bone, nerve fiber, and muscle in place. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and and the fascia itself is. In the membranes of your, let's go into, I don't know if you want to stay on the um, giants or I can tell you about, because I can tell you something about biology and about health and about the bacteria in your gut. Before you go there, before you go there, before you go there, let's stay with Devil's Tower for a moment. Because I've never been to Devil's Tower, but I want to. But it was, I believe, probably four years ago when I became acquainted with your work. And it just coincidentally happened. I was driving from Arizona 
all the way to Utah, Colorado, New Mexico. And I was looking at those mountains and those plateaus and, and, and what looks to be like roots of rocks around. It gave me a different perspective after I found your work. But going back to Devil's Tower for a moment, with the advent of drones now, everybody can, can fly a drone. You can fly a drone on top of, of Devil's Tower and many other places around the world. There's these, is it a hexagonal? structures all the way to the top that if you were to use a microscope and you break a tendon of a, a human body, for example, can you see the similarities between that and what we see on top of, or on the sides, if you will, of Devil's Tower and some other structures? 100%. It's identical. It's identical. I show that. If you, all you have to do is look up tendon fibrils, and 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 look up images, and it'll show you a whole slew of them, and and they come down. And I show this on my stuff. It's exactly identical. And um, Giant's Causeway is nothing more than a giant creature. That is a creature. It has nothing to do with building a road. Giant's Causeway. All of that hex fibers are tendinous fibers, and then there's other ones that are muscle. The tendon ones are continuous, and they don't have little separations in them. The, the muscle ones are what they call um, sarcomeres, and they look the same. They have like a hex-looking fiber, but they, they have chunks, a little block, 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 all the way down. And those were the pinchers there, what they call sarcomeres, and they are what contracts the muscle. They, all this stuff there, every single bit of it's there. There's, you know, not, there's not a single thing I can't stand behind, brother. And there, it was not. And then I'm looking deep into uh, uh, the fossil record that they're talking about. Ah, the dinosaurs, this and that. Well, let me tell you, dinosaurs in, in the giant world that I'm talking about wouldn't even be ticks on the giants that I'm talking about. Literally, they they wouldn't even know they're there. They'd be just barely there. And um, they think that's a big deal, but that is always above the flood layer. Now, below the flood layer, there's no giants either. The giants that I'm talking about are above, and they are part of the flood layer. So what's below that flood layer? The titans. I'm serious. The titans are below the flood layer. They were all real. As far as I'm concerned, everything they talked about, Zeus and the whole crew, came here and, you know, chaos and all that. It's They created out of the, the earth was created somehow. Nobody knows this anyway. You know, look at the, at the word, I believe, is mythology. It, what is the actual term? Is sworn affidavits or statements by priests and kings. And when we think of these mythological creatures from the past, as you mentioned, Zeus, from the Greek, and, and, and all the rest of them, what if they actually existed, but because they were wiped out, and we're trying to just prevent people from understanding that there was life before the time when we're told that life began on Earth? 
Let's go back to, to Devil's Tower. People think of Level, Devil's Tower. Those who watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind, that's what they think. But they don't think that it could have been a part of a foot. And the question is, if that was a giant standing there, what happened? Did it get stuck in the mud and the upper part broke? What happened? Yeah, well, that's what happened. They would, the, the earth was flooded. Now, how exactly that flood happened, I, I have a couple of ideas, but they're a little bit complicated. Uh, but the flood did occur. That I'm absolutely certain of. Now, at that point, and it was retribution for the discretions of the watchers. They were supposed to come down and take care of us and give us information and help us. This is what these copper scrolls are talking about, too. And they decided, wow, these chicks look pretty hot, man. You know, let's just do what we're going to do. And, you know, <laughs> don't worry. If all of us stick together, screw him. Well, it didn't end up working out too good. They didn't realize he got, how, how much power God really had. So, uh, um, I figure where I'm going with that one. <laughs> no, what happened with, it, with what happened to that individual or giant that was standing where it is now Devil's oh, Tower? Yeah. I got you. So now we got a giant flood going on. How that occurred, can't tell you for sure. But at that point, because they, they had already consumed virtually everything on Earth, and they had eaten most of the people. That's what it says. It's just they had consumed virtually everything man had to offer, and then they began to consume and drink the blood of man or something like that. And uh, and I think each other. There's nothing to eat. Now, they, so God said, well, this is, I'm going to close this case. We're going to start over again. They, you know, there's nothing we can do. And is out of control. So the flood came, and at this point, they were, at a certain point. But, again, don't forget, I talked about the salt water and how extremely invasive it is to molecule. You put stuff in salt, it breaks it down. Now, if it's if it's uh, a certain low pH, around 7.35, 7.4, somewhere around there, it will basically, that's basically about how what your body is. So if you keep it in that area and you continuously invade it with more and more watery substances, it will stabilize. All right, that's what a mud cost is. You're continuously sending in more and more molecules that are in this salty mix of your body tissues, and they're continuously invading them with, with transition metals and different, different molecular attachments. It's called nucleophilic substitution. I think I talked about that before. And what it is, basically all of this is invasion. It comes in and it says, ooh, I, if I attach to you, I'm going to be more stable. And that's all it does. It goes in and attaches, and the other molecule, which actually would be a couple of electrons, would move along with the aqueous water and attach to something else. That's all it is. And then eventually, that body tissue or that eyeball or whatever it was, would have attached to enough things, and it would have all different colors, too, because it would attach to a lot of transition metals. They can go this way or that way, but whichever way they go, they bring a color with them. That's what the transition metals are, a color. That's what causes all the colors and rocks and things. Um, 
So that's what stabilizes them. And then they die in the water, they drown, or they are, uh, um, they die from not having anything to eat. And the salts invade the very easy to invade tissues, which are muscles. And you have muscles running all around your leg. And then all the way up your body, your trunk and everything. If you go up from Google Earth and you look down on, on Devil's Tower, and you look off to the front about, oh, I don't know, a quarter of a mile out or a half a mile out or so, you're going to see the, the upper torso is all red, bloody, fleshy-looking stuff all over the ground there. That's his, his upper body. It just falls over. It's just the way it works. I'm sure you're and familiar. Actually, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm, so, I'm sure you're familiar with the work of Michael Tellinger, are you? Yeah, I know Michael. So Michael... Yeah. A friend, and for years he's been providing these images of what seem to be giant feet or, or hands. And I wonder, say you're a giant and you're stepping on that. Could it be a time when the flood was taking place or, you know, the soil was softer and you step on it and it dries and this is why you leave that footprint behind? What happened at that time, that allowed these footprints, giant footprints, to have been left behind? Well, they would, they were probably left behind as they were sort of walking around trying to get out of the flood. Right. And they, they, they were in a muddy mess. And um, they put their foot. Can you hear me? I can, I can. Okay. And they would be, you know, there's going to be some of them that were left as they walked out of the mud to try to get up to higher ground. Yes, absolutely. Now, those wouldn't be quite as crisp looking as, as some of them that I have. Some of them look just like, just like they're good guys. I mean, I have people's feet, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I have the actual feet. They were everywhere. They're everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. If the. I have, I have almost a hundred thousand people now that are on my feet. YouTube, and you know, they don't, they're not all active, but there's thousands and thousands that are extremely interested and extremely active and extremely, you know, want to share and, and, and want to know how this happened and what is this and what do you think about that and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's, I got to be honest with you, it's very, very, very difficult for me to keep up, and I'm sorry to everyone that I haven't helped that I can't help. I just, I just don't have time. It's, it's just me. I'm the only one doing this here on, at Mudhouse University. Well, I got a bunch of people all around the world, but these are the people I'm working with, and I am the only one making the presentations, and I'm doing it by myself. So, uh, but I got another guy. Tyson is making presentations. You ever hear of Tyson Carlson's channel, Tyson's um, Mud Fossil Adventures? After we spoke a few days ago, I went to his channel. It's impressive, too. He's got. A, he's doing something serious. You know, here's the thing: we're no academic, university-associated uh, stuff shirts. We're looking for answers, and we don't have to appease anybody. We couldn't care less about it. We don't want to make any money. Nothing here for us, other than true. I'm 72 years old. I could care less about what anybody thinks about me or what. You know, I got plenty of money, I hope. 
now. So, and the Tyson's the same way. All you want to do is get the evidence out there and get the proof. And then let it be discussed. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. In my world, at this point in my life, after the research that I have done, and opening up the doors that I opened up, that I had never opened before, had no clue about. That's what, you know, this was all nonsense to me, religion and all that crap in the past, and Zeus and gods and Medusa and, you know, it's absolutely nonsense. Well, now, it's exactly the opposite. 100% is, is I, I, I go back to every word that was written in the past, and I now give it some form of credence until I can discount it in some way. And I really, so far, what I see on the face of the earth relating to what was written, I'm, I'm almost 100% of the book written. You have an evidence to support it. Right up the line. So, if, if that doesn't give you pause to take a, a new sort of look at them, I don't know what does. <laughs> well, you and most everybody else, including me. I mean, we're programmed. We wake up. I mean, we're born. We go to preschool. We go to school. And then we go to the university and we keep repeating what we're told. And as you said, if you question what's outside of the textbooks, your grades go down, uh, your sanity is questioned. And I always had a problem with that too, until I created this platform and it allows me to open my aperture, my mental aperture, and bring all this information to, to some people. And I would say to most, this information may be science fiction to them. They're not there yet. They're not ready to open their minds, but most of our listeners can. Some might say, no, this is just pure nonsense, but I bet you most people would say, this is interesting. I'm open to the evidence. Let's test these items that you have and see what comes out of it. If it's a rock, fine. But what if, it, if it's a biological um, substance that existed in the past? If it's proven that these were actually giants, that changes the entire paradigm. And if it does, can you describe to me, based on your research, can you paint a picture of how our planet used to be when these giants walked around? Well, based on the research that I've done, and, and again, it's pretty extensive, on ancient texts, what happened was we were literally, you know, um, created, our planet was created somehow by some gods, and they were titans. And even the planets, and the, all of the planets, all of the moons, they were, they're all body parts, they're all biological, 100%, 100%. Now, just exactly what they said, Velikovsky said that Venus was literally born from Jupiter 3,500 years ago. And that is written in every culture on the face of the planet. They said they had written down that Jupiter, I mean, um, Venus came out as a fiery comet from, it was literally born, they say, from the feared god Jupiter. And I believe the great red spot is a vagina. Venus fits exactly into that spot. Now, the 
I'm telling you, I look at the moons, you look at uh, Iapetus. It's attendable. After that, most of them are. No, no question whatsoever. You can see, I have, I have the evidence to prove this, and I have all of the evidence for Thomas 67P. And I just did a video on 67P and put it up, and it shows all the tendons, it shows all the chemistry, it shows, they put a man director. Uh, uh, from European Space Agency, and, they, and they've landed right on, and they sampled what it is, and it's made out of, I, I, maybe I, I spoke about this, I don't know, but it's made out of all the same molecules and particles that are in blood, and in tendons, and in muscles, and in collagen, and in keratin, it's because it's, 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 a, it's a tendon, that's what it is, and an anatomist is going to look at it and say, yep, that's a tendon. A biologist is going to look and say, yep, that's a tendon. Somebody that knows chemistry, that knows biochemistry, says, yeah, well, that's the same stuff that's in a tendon. It's there. There's no, no question. And Adams is going to look and say, yep, sure looks like a tendon. Now, you're going to get an academic that will say, you're an idiot. And they do all the time. I'm, they're the ones that absolutely refuse to engage. The geologists say, I want, I want to see the paper. I want to see the papers. I said, the papers? Who the hell are you? As a matter of fact, I got to tell you something funny. Um, somebody in a big group, I, I posted something and uh, he came up and says, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I want to see the papers. I want to see this. I want to see who, who said that. And I says, oh, so you got to be told everything. I says, I do the telling here, my friend. <laughs> and I just laid it on him and I just dropped a hundred things on him. Because not only do they do do this, here's what happened. I, I like everything in, in physics and chemistry and all that stuff. And I went to virtually all the schools, and I mean good ones. Because you can go for free. You, know. you can go for free to any school you want. I went to um, University of Geneva for uh, particle physics. Um, and... I blew them away with my stuff, and they they refused to look into it. I said, why don't you look into it? She said, no, we'll follow you. <laughs> I said, you're going to follow me? So anyway, that's that's how that happened with the University of Geneva. And then I went to Johns Hopkins, same thing down there, yeah, for genomics. And I had a hell of a time with my professor. Down there. I never got along with any of them. I really only went to these places just so I could confront them with my evidence. I know what they're, they said. They're don't, get, don't get me started with Johns Hopkins, which is <laughs> it's the one that's behind all this COVID stuff and genomics, too, as, as you said, and DNA research and uh, all the genetics. And I don't mean to, to bring COVID 19 into the equation, but when you said Johns Hopkins, it just crossed my mind. But you also mentioned Iapetus the uh, third largest moon of uh, Saturn. Folks, if you yeah. go and see, go to Google Images and take a look at Iapetus, tell me it does not look like the Death Star from Star Wars. So I don't know that, why they do that. That, that ring around it, that's, you, see, you see the rings around it. And I then do. you're going to see two round holes back next to each other. The two round holes are the... The straps that runs to tendon wall. That tendon wall was an implant, and it implanted into something. The, our whole system is built from the bodies of gods. I'm sorry, that is just a fact. And 
Comet 67P, same thing. It's a tendonemphasis. And again, I just did a video on it. Magnificent, actually, uh, I might add. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, it's a whole new universe, man. There is absolutely nothing. See, we were told it's right. I mean, nothing at all. If you, you think Einstein was was a smart guy? Well, let me tell you something. Not a single word he said was right. Nothing. A light is a particle. And I show this. I absolutely show it. We did light research. And what we did was we took laser lights. And we accelerated them through a venturi. Just like a carburetor in the old car. When you put gas into that and it sucked it through that little tiny aperture, it forced it to atomize. And that we, we did that with light. So we were down to the smallest particles ever made, which is light, and then we literally split them apart. With a, with a particle accelerator? We made a particle accelerator. And not only that, it was a particle crusher. So we didn't have to do a CERN did. And we didn't work with protons. We, we Protons are nothing more than electrons anyway. But they're balls of electrons. And they're 1,837 electrons. And when you hit 1837, the shaking of the positive and negative particles actually stabilizes. So they're sort of like, eh, boop, and then it stabilizes at 1837. And then you don't get another stability until you add another 1837. It has something to do with the 1837 because they call it a proton. It's not a proton. It's 1837 electrons back to back. What about the, the photons? What was that? What about the photons? Well, photons are two electrons. Now, an electron is not what you always thought of an electron as a negative ball. It's not. There's no such thing as a non... Well, there is. I've got to go through this a little carefully. What we discovered is if you take photons, and in my world, a photon is like two bar magnets. And a bar magnet has a plus end and a negative end. And if you took two of those back-to-back, you'd have a plus to the negative, a plus to the negative, plus to the negative, a plus to the negative. So it's a plus and negative back-to-back side-to-side. Follow me? Yes. Okay. So that is what I call a photon. Now, if you cut that in half and just had a negative and a positive, then you have an electron. Now, the electron is extremely invasive. And if you have a whole batch of them hit you at once, they will in- invade the molecules that are there, destabilize them, explode them, literally, literally explode. And what electrons do when they invade watery tissues, like in your body, when you get electrocuted, all the water molecules that get vaporized expand 17, well, 1600 times, I believe it is. So you explode, and that's what kills you from the being electrocuted. Your, your, your molecules explode. Um, but all of these extra electrons are they're everywhere. They're just everywhere. That all, heat is just raw electrons, but they move kind of slowly. They're not like moving in a mass coming out of a wire. So electrons that are heat, you turn the heat on, what you did was you just said you'd send some electrons in this room. I need more electrons in here. Give me more pressure. 
And guess what it does? It sends more electrons that have nowhere to go, and they create a little more pressure in the room, makes you feel warm. When the electrons leave the room, you know, through a window or just they migrate into the walls and so forth, then it gets colder and colder and colder. So... Well, hold on right there. That's very interesting what you said. Understand. Hold on for one second, because what the analogy you used is something I've been told a few years ago with the sun. You know, when the sun is above us, say in the summer, the electrons or the photons become very excited. And this is what creates the heat and the light. And as the sun leaves, then the photons get less excited until night and this is why it gets cooler. Do you lend credence to that? Absolutely, 100%. No question whatsoever. But there is also another component to that. We are spinning around in a circle through the oncoming particles from the sun. And the sun emits particles, 100% emits particles, no question whatsoever. Um, now, as it emits those particles, Those particles are primarily in photons of light, which are back-to-back electrons, but it also emits a lot of electrons, and it emits a lot of chunks of electrons, you know, like a half a dozen together, 20, 30, 50, because remember, 1837, you have to get, even before you get to a hydrogen proton, so you can have all, and you know what isotopes are? Yes, Okay, you know what isotopes are. Okay. Now, how can you possibly make isotopes if all you have is protons? Isotopes are like a proton with a half a dozen extra electrons or four or five less electrons than it should have. It's, it's an ion. It's got extra or less material than it should have. How can I do that unless it's made out of electrons? And then, of course, you have the radioactive ones and the non-radioactive ones. Right, exactly. Those are just more or less bigger and smaller chunks of of um, balls of electrons. Well, hold it, Roger. We have to break both segments. We'll have to take a break. And after the break, we'll come back and discuss this very important topic one more time. Roger, how can people learn more about your work? Well, uh, Mud Fossil, all one word, Mud Fossil University on YouTube is your best spot. And um, I just put up a, a, a pretty good video that goes into a lot of what we're discussing today. And you have to have a wide variety of expertise in every single area. And the beauty of Mud Fossil University is nobody tells us what we can say and can't say. And like I said, people want truth now, and they're not getting it. I don't care where you're going. If you don't check it out for yourself, you're going to get hoodwinked. I'm going to tell you that right now. I, I just could not believe the response I got from the people we trust to be our educators, our guidance, the people that we have always looked up to have no concern for reality or truth whatsoever. And I'm telling you, that is a fact. And if you can find one that does, I'd like to have them come and see me because 
not a single academic has has responded in any positive manner. And I know why. I mean, absolutely no question why. They will be destroyed. Velikovsky is my hero. And, and most everybody doesn't even know who he is. He, 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 he I don't know. World in collision. Do you know who he is? No. I do. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he he was destroyed. And he was a contemporary of Einstein. He was right. Einstein was totally wrong about everything. Velikovsky was right about everything he said about Venus. And he was the one that went back to all the ancient texts. He didn't just make it up. He went back to the ancient texts. He got, uh, he looked it up, and he was a Jewish scholar, and uh, he was, he knew this guy was right on top of it. And they forced his book off of the bookshelves. And it was number one on the bestseller list 12 weeks in a row. And he was so pissed off, the academics, that they told the publisher if they didn't take it off the bookshelves, they were going to stop ever doing business with him. Then, of course, the guy was intimidated. And that's what these people do. Here's my opinion right now of academia. After my, uh, this is just my honest opinion. Of no, hold it, hold it. We can discuss that when we come back. I just wanted you to give your coordinates so people can learn more about your work. But let's discuss this, Velikovsky, and also what would happen if academia ever accepted this information what truths will be unhidden all of this when we come back i'm here with roger spur from mud fossil university this is mel hostelrick and you are listening to veritas i'll see you in the member section thank you for listening to the first part of this important veritas interview to listen to the rest and all of our material proceed to the member section or join the veritas family by subscribing click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know.